Hey there, and welcome to Living Through It, a podcast for interesting times. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cronice McLaughlin, a recovering lawyer, world-renowned leadership expert, and lifelong progressive activist and organizer. Reminder that if you want to listen to this podcast ad-free, you can head on over to patreon.com slash living through it. That's patreon.com slash living through it. You can get access to our entire back catalog ad-free there, and also we have some special bonuses for our most favored listeners. Thanks so much for being here. And now here's this week's episode. Well, hello there. Welcome. I'm Elizabeth Cronice McLaughlin, and this is the inaugural episode of Living Through It with ECM, a podcast for interesting times. I am so excited to be here. I can't even tell you. This has been an endeavor that has been a while in the making. And as many of you know, um, over at the Gaia Leadership Project, which is something of a day job for me. We've been working for about 10 years with people who are engaged in creating change in the world, in bending the arc of justice in the right direction, in creating places where people are safe and free and where real justice exists. And so to be able to come here and talk to all of you every week and talk to our amazing lineup of guests every week is really going to be a privilege and a joy. Some of you may be wondering why we're doing this right now. One of the reasons for that happens to be that in our audience at the Gaia Leadership Project and in the communities that we serve, what we're seeing all the time is just a tremendous amount of stress and burnout. What we've all been living through over the last several years has been so hard, not just the rise of a burgeoning fascist movement inside the United States, but also what we've been living through in the context of mass death and the pandemic. So many of us have struggled. So many of us are suffering. And so many of us are really trying to find a way to keep going, to stay positive, to maintain momentum toward a better future. One of the things that we're hoping to do here at Living Through It is to find a way to motivate and inspire all of you, to propel forward in ways that are nourishing, to make it really clear that you are in community with great people and great minds who are on the same page to put forward a vision for the future that all of us want. So I'm thrilled to be here as your host. I can't wait to get started. This week in our inaugural episode, we're welcoming former U.S. Senate candidate and Pennsylvania State Representative and one of my dearest friends, Malcolm Kenyatta, Oh my goodness, how this man has lifted me up at certain moments over the last few years when I have been on the verge of losing hope myself. You're in for a treat today. This conversation is delightful. At the end of the interview, as I will every week, I'll be back with a few final thoughts. But for now, let's tune into this week's interview. Okay, I am so excited. Our inaugural guest who is here joining me today is Pennsylvania State Representative and former U.S. Senate candidate, Malcolm Kenyatta. Welcome. I'm so excited to be with you and to be your your first guest. That is a, a big honor. Oh, thanks. I mean, I, it was it was a no-brainer for for me because, you know, our work together and our friendship and watching everything that you've been through over the last couple of years made this a very easy call for a podcast on living through it and how we keep going in interesting times. So, so how have you been? You know, the Senate campaign was historic. You emerged yep. straight from that to get to work supporting 
um, John Fetterman and his efforts and Josh Shapiro and his efforts. How are you? Mm -hmm. How how is it now coming out of all that? You know, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. You know, my 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 commitment and you know we had talked about this. My my commitment was to be for the be for the nominee when it was all said and done. And I really fucking hoped it was me. <laughs> it Didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> to work really hard to that to, to, to that end but as I remind folks you know it, it, it wasn't a hard you know decision for me when it was over because ultimately this is a choice right and on any of the you know small areas where John and I had disagreements um, you know there's no overlap with you know Dr. Oz and, and, and his agenda and Doug Mastriano who's also running you know and I've tried to communicate to people the seriousness and the significance of the threat that they pose, right? Because it's easy to just say, you know, laugh at Dr. Oz for crudite and like he lives in Jersey and all these other things. Um, you know, the jokes sort of write themselves, but also the reality of what he wants to do if he were given the opportunity to be the senator is actually really terrifying. You know, he's right in line with Lindsey Graham and, um, you know, national abortion bans, right in line with Rick Scott, you know, who wants to, um, you know, put a, a timeline, um, you know, on Social Security and Medicare and have us debating every year whether or not um, our seniors should be getting Social Security. I mean, that's just crazy when you stop to think about it for a second. Um, and then you have somebody who, in Dr. Oz, who is so connected to the gun crimes and the violence that we're seeing here in Pennsylvania in this way. Um, you know, Dr. Oz has made so much money, Elizabeth, off of opioids um, and, you know, promoting and lifting up these companies um, who, you know, have in multiple court venues um, been shown over and over again that they were going out of their way to target people with overprescribing um, these opioids. And a lot of those people, as you know, end up getting other getting hooked to other substances and the substance abuse challenge and the you know and the crime and what it does to people's families to see somebody you love you know struggling and you have this guy running for senate who has made so much money from these investments from these partnerships with these companies and then he goes to kensington um in philadelphia which is you know in many instances uh by many descriptors, right? The heart of where this crisis is, not just in Philly and in Pennsylvania, um, but also in this country in many ways. It's, it's a microcosm of what we're seeing and the impacts of these companies who've made all this money and left families and communities to deal with the wreckage that they left behind. He went and used these people as a photo op. Um, and it just infuriates me that you have somebody who is willing to say and do anything to try to increase his power. Yeah, it's and the thing that disturbs me about it is that in addition to all of that of course is that you know it's a as you said it's a bellwether for what's happening in so many other areas of the country. It's not as though Mastriano or Dr. Oz are singular lone wolves in this, right? Um, even yeah, though Pennsylvania, yeah. as, as Pennsylvania goes, so goes the nation. You know, I'm a Pennsylvania native and I know how this works. Right. But, yes. But, um, but you know, one of the things that I think um, is really scary is that we are seeing the rise of 
people who don't want to honor election integrity and who have done horribly amoral things over the course of their lives and now are just seeking more power. Um, and so right. you know, for, from where you sit on the ground, you know, I mean, this is not just a local effort, I'm betting, right? This is also about, um, you know, showing that Pennsylvania can defeat folks like this so that other folks can see how it's done. You know, I've said this, uh, you know, pretty, pretty routinely, and it bears repeating. I, I, for one, refuse, and I hope all of us take up this, this mantle. We have to refuse to let democracy die on our watch. You know, I don't, I refuse to be the generation that has to look at the next generation and say, sorry, you know, the America that we knew, the freedoms um, that were hard fought and won, that those are gone and we just didn't do anything about it. Yep. I refuse to do that, um, to just sit on the sidelines, um, knowing how critical this moment is. And you're right, Pennsylvania is always at the center of the political universe. And when you, you know, mention Mastriano, um, for folks who are listening who aren't from Pennsylvania and don't understand, our governor has so much power and oversight in areas um, that are that are unlike other states. For example, a number of states have an elected secretary of state. You know, that's very common in many states around the country. Here in the Commonwealth, the governor appoints that position. The governor has a muscular, uh, you know, executive powers in terms of the things that without legislation, they can weigh on and direct agencies to act in a certain way. Doug Mastriano is somebody who is out of control. He's out of control. I mean, he reiterated just a couple of days ago that his number one priority is banning abortion in all cases, even in instances of rape, incest, life of the mother. Um, you know, he uh, supports a, uh, if you look at what happened with the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida, Mm -hmm. One of his biggest backers, Representative Stephanie Barowitz, somebody who's been intimately involved in his campaign, was also a state rep from a, you know center of the state. She introduced a bill that she said is going to go much further than the Don't Say Gay bill. He is somebody who has gone to a website called Gab. Um, Gab is, uh, you know, like any other social media site that people use, but it's where white supremacists go, mm -hmm. where they hang out, where they trade notes. It was the website that radicalized and helped, you know, um, arm in terms of how to carry out um, a, a massacre, the Tree of Life shooter. You know, in, here in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, as I know you're well aware and we've talked about before, yep. it is still so painful for members of that community. And I think for Jewish Americans all across the country, this heinous attack where people were gunned down while they were praying in their house of worship. And he is going to this website, paying people to join his campaign. I mean, just think about that. It's hard. And so it is... Um, it's, it's terrifying. And to put this guy in charge of our National Guard, our state police, to allow him to um, decertify election machines. I mean, I could just go on and on and on with how, how, how radical his, his agenda is. And so this is not one of those states where it's like, you know, it'd be nice if we won, but if we don't, it'll be okay. No, it will not be okay if we lose this race. And I think Josh Shapiro, um, you know, is working his butt off and I'm trying to do everything I can to help him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and speaking of that, you have this incredible new endeavor that you announced a couple of weeks ago called Agenda Pack. And I want to talk talk about this because I love the name of it, first of all. Um, But second of all, I mean, it's so good, right? You know, I mean, I had a moment where I was like, way to spin the lingo, Malcolm. Um, (laughs) But, you know, one of the things that I think is so key about it is that it's a real endeavor to to take power back and and to further an agenda for abortion rights and LGBTQ rights and voting rights and all the things that, you know, we as Democrats and as progressives really kind of push. And so I want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing there. Yeah, you know, for um, for for the entire country, um, you know, Dobbs changed everything. I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, my house, um, Dr. Matt was in, you know, the office. I'm in, you know, the guest room that we have. And, you know, our phones light up like everybody, right, with the alert that the Supreme Court had overturned Dobbs. Um, you know, it was almost, you know, instantaneous that we open the door at the same time and are just staring at each other, looking at our phones, staring at each other, kind of in disbelief um, that this had ha- actually happened. Um, and then the next alert that pops up on the phone is Clarence Thomas's um, lawyers breaking down um, Clarence Thomas's um, concurrent opinion. And when you see, um, it's in particularly, you know, you as somebody who, you know, is a lawyer, you look at what he did in that opinion. I am not familiar with, and please correct me if you're familiar with, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court begging for somebody to bubble up litigation to them so that they can rip away rights that the Supreme Court had previously, um, uh, you know, upheld or, or, or secured. It's outrageous. Begging for somebody to send a, a, a case to, to overturn Lawrence v. Texas and Oberfell, um, you know, for gay marriage and contraception. I mean, it was it was it was stunning. And Dr. Matt and I, I mean, we started crying, mm-hmm. you know, and holding each other and, you know, called our lawyer and said, what what else do we need to do? to make sure that if something were to happen to either of us, that, that we are protected and that the things, our family that we've built together, um, you know, that it's protected. That is, it's so infuriating in truly personal terms, but it's also infuriating when I think about what our country can and should be to have somebody so cruelly, um, you know, just flying in the face of any common sense jurisprudence and just turning the clock back. And I think all of us were looking at what can we do, right? For some people, they got registered to vote, right? We've seen historic numbers of particularly young women who said, I'm getting registered and I'm voting in this next election. And um, our executive director of Agenda Pack, uh, Ted Bordelon, um, you know, reached out to me and was talking to me about this idea that he had. And and he and I, within like two weeks, you know, got this off the ground, um, brought together other board members, and we've already hit the ground running with our first ad against Doug Mastriano. Um, we put up a billboard um, out in California, um, in California's 41st district, which now includes Palm, Palm Springs, and would be represented by this 30 year incumbent, Ken Calvert, who is one of the biggest bigots. You know, you'll remember yep. he was a guy read against uh, Ted Lou and outed him. 
um, in a previous uh, race for, for, for Congress. He worked his butt off to try to ban gay marriage um, in California, voted for the Defense Against Marriage Act. And so we've put up a big billboard reminding people <laughs> of his 30-year bigoted um, career. And that's what Agenda Pack is really about, um, taking the fight to these bigots who seem to be popping up everywhere, running for office, for governor, for Congress, for, for everything. Um, and we're just going to take the fight to them. And we're not going to allow them to continue to flood the zone, own the conversation about our basic rights and freedoms. Um, and we're going to make sure they lose their jobs. It's phenomenal. And I think one of the things that's so great about it is that it's so inspiring because it's, it's an unwillingness to capitulate. You know, one of the things that you and I talked about both during your Senate campaign and since is the way in which so many of us uh, have felt so downtrodden after, you know, let alone mm -hmm. the last six years, uh, everything that we fought for during the Trump administration, the problems that we faced during this administration with gerry uh, gerrymandering of voting rights and um, with the filibuster and how that's been weaponized. And, you know, one of the things that um, that I think is so key about this is it's it's a it's an effort to take power back. Right. And that's one of the things that I have mm -hmm. loved about you as a candidate um, and I have loved about you as a friend, frankly, is that you don't quit. So um, so I'm going to ask you, you know, we have three questions that we're asking all of our guests here at the Living Through It pod. And I want to ask you this one because I've asked you this question before <laughs> at moments yeah. where I felt fairly dire and um, and your answer uh, kind of shook me. So we'll see. We'll see if it's changed. Um, so, so what keeps you going in the face of all of this? Well, first, I want to thank you for, for everything you just you just said. And for um, many of your listeners, they probably already already own your book, Becoming Heroines. But mm -hmm. I would encourage people to get it. And I've and I've shared it with people, as, as you know, um, because I think it's a, you know, important, you know, shot in the arm as well. Um, for people who need a jolt and need to need to keep going. And so, you know, we, this is mutual admiration society here between you and I, but I, but I uh, seriously, seriously mean it. Um, but, but to your, to your question, I think a part of it is understanding that we can't fail in this moment, right? The stakes of it are really inspiring, um, but also having so many examples of people who in their own lives were up against high stakes, serious moments, who did not give up. You know, and I think about, uh, you know, Coretta Scott King, you know, who famously talked about the fact that freedom is won and rewon by every generation. And that baton is passed to all of us. And we, 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 we can't slow down. I you know, got a call from my grandma, and you've heard me tell this story before, but I had a call from my grandma, maybe it was 2019 or so. And she, you know, she is just a tough lady. Like, I'm telling you, like, she could take half of your listeners at once in her 80s, right? She's just tough. And so I've never seen her cry, never heard her shake, but she called me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought we had fixed some of this stuff. I don't want to have to have that conversation with, with my kids. I don't want to have to have that conversation. And I've been so inspired, particularly by Gen Z and um, you know, folks in my you know, age cohort as well, 
who are stepping up, who are being creative in their advocacy, who are undeterred, be it issues around climate change or debt reduction um, or you know, a fair economy or childcare, whatever it is, because I've continued to travel the state, right? I didn't lose this race and kind of just, you know, shrink away. We've been to 20 something counties, um, you know, since this has, uh, since the primary was over campaigning for John and Josh and Democrats. And I will tell you, Elizabeth, I'm meeting people everywhere who were telling me why they've stayed involved. And one of the things that I know is that hope is a renewable resource Courage is a renewable resource, and it's also so contagious. And so in those moments where you feel down, I think it's important to find a touchstone. Maybe it's a historical figure or somebody in your family who has passed, but maybe it's just going out to um, or you know, opening up your social media and finding somebody else who's in this fight as well, who reminds you um, why you need to stay in it. I love it. And, you know, it's one of those things about, you know, being in community with great people, because, you know, I know, for instance, that, you know, That's when right. I'm struggling, I can pick up the phone and call you and be like, Malcolm, tell me how to keep going. And, and vice know, versa. Folks, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and other folks who are listening here, I think, you know, one of the real keys to this is that um, you got to have those touchstones. I love that. Um, you've got to have people around you and be in community with people who are fighting the good fight and see the long-term goal. Um, because I've always said, you know, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And the fight for democracy is one that mm -hmm. we can never become complacent about again. But we can't keep doing that if we're not arm in arm with one another. So um, I'm just so proud to know you. You're, you, you, you keep my head up all the time. Um, Okay, second question. You know, uh, back so at you, and if, if I can make one more, one yeah, more final point ahead. there too, though, um, because in this, like this work is so heavy and it's so important that it can feel like, sometimes it can feel like you're being a traitor to the work if you're not working every five minutes. If you're not doing something every moment, you feel like you're letting yourself down or letting the the, the broader movement down. Or, you know, um, I had somebody who tweeted at me. I was like watching Game of Thrones, which I do every Sunday, okay? Like I'm watching Game of Thrones. And, and, and they responded to that tweet and was like, why are you watching TV? Like so much is going on. And it's like, Yes, so much is going on, but we have to find those moments for ourselves, find the things that we find just complete joy in um, and disconnect and unplug and recognize that there's somebody else who's there, right? Maybe you've been registering voters every week and this week you get sick or you're just tired, you just don't feel it. Um, that's why under having those those touchstones is not just important to get you, you know, re-energized in the metaphorical way, but but sometimes you just need to tap out. And knowing that there's somebody else there who can tap in while you recover, um, I think is so important. Yeah, I completely agree. I, you know, one of the things I always like to say to people is that not everybody can be, this is a good Pennsylvania analogy for you, Malcolm. Not everybody can be the Canadian goose at the front of the pack all the time. <laughs> we, I, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, growing up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania and the geese migrating south in the fall and migrating north in the spring. Um, the, the ways in which, you know, like actually geese will rotate out, right? Like they take turns being the person 
who cuts the headwinds for the entire flock. And I think that analogy is just so important for all of us that there are moments where our best use is to cheer on the person who's at the front of the pack. And sometimes it'll be us and sometimes it'll be others. And that's the point of doing this all, you know, across movements and across identities and, and as friends and allies and compatriots arm in arm, it's, it's so critical. We get through it all together. That's such a powerful um, metaphor. Yeah, I love that one. Um, uh, so, okay, second question. What are the most pressing issues that need our attention right now? We've talked a little bit about this in terms of um, democracy and elections and all of that, but I'm interested to hear your big picture view on this. You no, know, it's, I think it falls in two, two buckets. Um, you know, first, first, our, our, our democracy, the, and not just, uh, you know, voter suppression, but election subversion, right? We need to, we need to be focused on that as well. Um, you know, be it the independent state legislative theory or so many of these, you know, other diabolical plots um, that you're seeing out there, because there is an intent to not only make it more difficult for people to vote, but if people, you know, overcome those many hurdles um, and still make it to the polls and and the person who wins is not the preferred choice of these anti-democracy, um, you know, thugs that we're seeing. You know, they they are willing to storm the Capitol or to um, intimidate elections officials or try to, um, as elected officials, bastardize their oaths um, and their position to try to throw out the votes through faux legal means. And so, if you're not able to vote and if your vote doesn't count then kind of nothing else really, really matters. And I think that we need to recognize that those two things, they're not happening in parallel by a mistake, right? Because the policies that are being pushed are not supported by a majority of the American people, right? I mean, overwhelming majorities of the American people want to protect abortion. And that number has actually grown since Dobbs, because a part of what I've said, you know, on issues of trans rights or, um, you know, the banning the books in schools, all these other things, I think that when people start to see these ideas in practice, they recognize, I think, in a much different way, um, how critical it is when things get out of the abstract and become real when you hear the stories of you know 10 year old girls who are raped and then you know in a position where they're almost forced to carry their rapist child to, to to term or folks who are in a position pregnant people who have had miscarriages and yet we're right now in a spot where doctors have to become lawyers and lawyers have to become doctors and that's very dangerous um for the future of the country and so those two things are happening in parallel, this voter suppression subversion, and then also these pushing policies, which are really bad ideas, which aren't supported by the American people, that they are only going to be able to advance if they can put into power the most, you know, radical, out of touch members of their cult. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't recognize that this, you know, MAGA, you know, movement is in fact, um, you know, showing a lot of the same uh, telltale signs um, that you've seen in other, you know, cultish movements. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of the reasons why what you're doing with Agenda Pack and I think what so many of us are trying to do in terms of mobilizing people who maybe have been disaffected, you know, you pointed to all the new voters and particularly young women voters who are registering for the first time and also doing it in deep red states. Like I keep thinking about Kansas and what happened there and how radical that was at that moment, how galvanizing 
for people who have been working so hard in red or purple states over the last six years to try to really make a difference, um, how all of that needs to come together. And it needs to come together quick because let's also not mistake the fact that, you know, if we lose the house in this election, that's going to be transformative for 2024 and probably for decades to come. So that's right. uh, that's I'm right. with you on all that. It's one of the reasons why the fight is so urgent right now. Um, so uh, speaking of that, Tell us how we can support what you're up to right now, because, um, you know, I see Agenda Pack as sort of a, a harbinger of good to come, like a beacon of light in the darkness. And um, I want to make sure all of our listeners know how to reach that and support you and um, and any other organizations, for that matter, who are doing good work right now that you're behind. Yeah. So, um, you know, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I, I would just tell everybody first, you know, just follow me on on, on social media, I, I tweet a lot. I had some, you know, uh, you know, conservative commentator or something who was like, does he get paid per tweet? And I was like, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be rich. <laughs> that's, that's right. But seriously, folks can just follow me at Malcolm Kenyatta on everything. Um, and also can follow Agenda Pack at Agenda Pack on, on everything and can sign up to get involved um, just by going to our website, agendapack.org. Um, you know, this is the beginning of a long term fight. You know, you see folks like um, Ron DeSantis, who is, you know, a well noted bigot um, who is thinking about running for office and all the other. Um, kooky folks who would be in that primary as well if Trump decides to not run. Um, and we have to be a part of this fight, um, you know, taking on some of the worst ideas as it relates to, you know, to our families. And I would just direct folks' attention as well to what's happening in Texas um, as it relates to trans kids. Um, the Child Protective Services in Texas, I don't know if you saw this, um, they're in some litigation and they said to the, to, to the court in a filing that uh, CPS is at a breaking point, they say, at a breaking point, because they're being forced to implement this anti-trans, anti-parent, anti-family, um, you know, agenda. Um, can, I mean, just think about this. They're investigating and harassing parents who support their trans and non-binary kid, investigating them as somebody who's engaged in child abuse. I mean, it is just outrageous when you think about it, that if you love your LGBTQ kid, you could have CPS knocking at your door, trying to take your kids from you because you decide to love them as they are. And I will just, you know, reiterate what the governor of Utah said when he was um, signing uh, the veto, when he vetoed uh, their anti-trans sports bill in Utah, which they ended up overturning. But what he said at the time was, I want these kids to live. I want them to live. And we know that when people with big megaphones and with actual authority to implement uh, policies and procedures through the Department of Human Services or whatever the case may be, be it a governor or an agency director who harbors these hateful views, kids hear that and they see it. And it says to them that they are different, that they're not worthy, that they're not worth it. And Trevor Project has been tracking, has been tracking the increases of uh, suicide, um, death by suicide and suicidal ideations, particularly among trans and non-binary kids. And so when we think about this work, this is not just about 
um, you know, beating bad people, but it's also about making sure that young people can see themselves, that they know it is somebody who's fighting for them, that there are people who respect them and love them just as they are, and that we are going to build a world for them where no matter who you are, no matter how you worship or choose not to, no matter um, how you exist in the world, that you'll be treated with dignity and respect. And I hope in the next 10, 15, 20 years that kids can grow up, Elizabeth, not knowing what the hell we're talking about when we talk about banning books or bathroom bills or, you know, they don't have the ability to marry who they are or identify who they are or use the pronouns that best reflect who they are. They're not even going to know what we're talking about if we do the work that we need to do because we're going to protect and expand those rights for every single American. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that's that's the perfect note to end on. Let's go do it. Malcolm Kenyatta, thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you. Thank for you, my dear friend. All of your hard work, lots of love, and um, and everybody go follow Malcolm. There is such a bright future ahead, and and already passed for for Malcolm. And uh, and let's all get to work. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Okay, so let's make no mistake about it. We are living in interesting times, scary times times that challenge us, where so many of us are under threat. But one of the things that I think about when I think about this conversation we just had with Malcolm is exactly the idea of hope as a renewable resource, courage as a renewable resource, and what hope and courage can lead us toward in the context of this nation and the world. Malcolm is a dear friend to me. He sends me text messages from Mother's Day, He wishes me a happy birthday, sometimes before anybody else. And that relationship is one that uplifts me relentlessly. When we are in community with good people, we find hope in their courage. So this week, I want to encourage you to think about where you find hope and what gives you courage. What are the relationships in your life that lead you to want to work for a better future? Go there, cultivate those relationships and nourish them. And then in your own life and in your own communities and in your own work, share that hope and courage with others. All of us are needed right now. All of us matter. Let's keep fighting the good fight. Thanks for listening to Living Through It with ECM, a podcast for interesting times. If you want to know more about me, Elizabeth Cronice McLaughlin, head on over to GaiaLeadershipProject.com where you can check out all our in-person and virtual leadership programs for folks who want to create change at work, at home, and in the world. You can also read my essays on politics, law, and change at newsletterwithecm.substack.com. And last, but definitely not least, you can listen to all our episodes of Living Through It ad-free over on Patreon at patreon.com slash living through it. That's patreon.com slash living through it. Thanks for listening and see you next week.